Yeah, I think I think VR is so cool. I think, Dude, I, think I love your headset, man. I want to get mine, one. That's or whoever's. You guys are all yeah. the same people to me, but I I love like. Dude, he's hey. like oh. So explain the heart. Explain the heart. Yeah. So I got I don't okay so I I forgot where I got this I think I got this hoodie from Zara. Because, you know, shout out Zara, Zara. No, it looks, looks like, it looks but like the heart, the, it I got look, it. Somebody gave it to me, like, I think maybe my sister, and I just put it on here, and I was like, oh, this actually looks kind of fun. Have you seen, have you seen Demon Slayer? Yeah, Tanjiro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, doesn't it look like that? I didn't notice it. I, I, I mean, I didn't realize it because I haven't watched Demon Slayer, but one of my friends who watches it, it was like, oh, is this supposed to be Tanjiro? And I'm like, who? And I Googled it, and I, like, then I looked it up. Is that when you started watching it? No, I haven't. I still haven't watched it. Oh, okay. I'm... I'm gonna have to watch it because of this, but I was like, it literally looks exactly like him, and I didn't realize yeah. it when I bought it. So, welcome to the podcast, guys. This is Cash Overflow episode two. My name is Mahmoud Sabunji. This is Donish Sayed, and, and we are missing Salman. We're missing our our boy Sully, who's Donish's brother-in-law. But anyway, to give you guys a recap, um, we released episode one a couple weeks ago. It took us a couple weeks because we've just been all over the place. Um, because we Donish and I, we started this company called Black Hedge, which is a a um uh, technically it's a tech startup but we're building a uh like an investing app that helps uh retail investors make smarter trades using predictive ai and analytics um and so we've been kind of all over the place uh meeting with investors and uh going to pitch competitions and and whatnot so that's why there's been a slight delay between episode one and episode two but yeah this is cash overflow which is sort of the podcast that is underneath um had a black edge. You had a meeting? Jeez, dude. Was it it was like an important one? No. With a candidate? No, it's not with a candidate. It's with Sana, our product oh. analyst. Oh man. Anyway, anyway so, sorry for cutting you off. No, you're good, you're good. Um but yeah, so we started the podcast basically as an extension of what we're building at Black Hedge. You know, we wanted to to use this as a platform to like connect with our our, our users and our followers and listeners, basically share with them what we're building, you know, our progress, um, sort of how we're doing it, our successes, our failures, and also kind of share with you guys feedback that we've gotten from our existing users and uh, investors that we talk to and kind of what our input is as like the founders yeah. of the company. Um, so yeah, you know, we just want to be like really transparent, but also like share with you our journey of building this podcast and also kind of, you know, show you show you like our our, our personal yeah. side and you know our personalities yeah. and stuff and be a little be a little personable yeah no no sbfs here you know we're what's sbf sam ben. oh sam ben. <laughs> yeah we we yeah, want to be that. we want to be we want to be very open with you guys and let you guys know like you know what we're up to uh you know progress on the company the product everything like that i don't want to i don't want to hide behind closed doors and kind of like let you guys do the guessing of what's going on in our company i'd love that just to be out there you know uh, also Sorry to cut you off, but I feel like a lot of other like startups out there, other like people that are building like cool apps, like you never really hear from them. Like you, you know, I don't. I've never listened to or seen a podcast from like, you know, from the founders of a startup that like their product I use, for I example. Think, like I think, not a lot of people like share a, their journey. I think like a this. lot of people want to do it. It's just that they don't have the time to do it. Um, that's true. And and you know, I mean, like with startups, like you and I both know, it's like we're heads down like all week, and like you know, yeah, we don't really facts. have we that's don't really facts. have much time to like record. I mean, like look, there's like a freaking two month gap between our first two episodes. Not two months. It's no, like it was a like month, a couple weeks, or a few weeks. Was it a month? Definitely a month, bro. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. 
Every month flies by though. But yeah, no, I mean, it's hard. I mean, we're we're gonna. I mean, we're doing our best to like be more yeah. consistent. I think as we're like figuring sort of everything out, like the early days, the yeah. like our processes and stuff, we're we're setting sort of more. Uh, more of like a set schedule yeah, and like a set yeah. cadence for like the, the recording yeah. and stuff. But so real quick for our audience members, if you are tuning in for the first time, you should first check out our app on the App Store and Google Play. You could download our app. It's called Black Hedge. Um, it's an app that just simply tells you when to buy and sell stocks of your choice. Uh, check it out. Let us know your feedback. You know. Maybe, but it's maybe no ga- rate us as well. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. We actually need to get our ratings up. We, no, it's up. It's going up. Like, no, like very we, gradually. But Our reviews? Yeah, because we had like two bad reviews that brought us down like 4.2 stars. Yeah. But I checked last night. We're at like 4.7. Like overall, we need like more reviews because we have over 1,000 active users. But our the total number of reviews we have in the yeah, app store like is 14. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's less than like uh, 20. So we need uh, we need we need yeah, we so need guys, some more reviews, guys. Yeah. We need some more five stars. Yeah. Just, just like write a review that says, you know, I made a million bucks on this app. Exactly. Yeah. There's this one, one of our friends, he like, we asked him for a review and he was like, <laughs> he, he like, it was like the funniest, but also like the most like, ex- like clearly like bullshit Fake. review ever. He was like, after I started using uh, uh, Black Hedge, I moved to Bel Air and I became the king of Bel Air. And I was like, bro, like, like I, I get it. It's, it's hilarious. But people that read that are like, okay, this is clearly like one of their friends who's just like, bro, fucking around. Have you ever drank out of this before? No. What is that? It's my new Stanley cup. It looks nice. Yeah, it's hers. <laughs> well, it's yours now. It's in your hands, dude. It's a. Uh, it's great. It's like it's like the new Hydro Flask. What's like what's good about it? I don't know. It's fucking sixty bucks. That's all I know. Jeez. Does it have like? Is it like antimicrobial or something? Well, like it's probably just insulated very well. That's probably it. I mean, that's I mean, how. I'm pretty sure Hydro Flasks are insulated pretty well too. Yeah, I know, but I think it's just like different. Yeah. Hydroflask is different. Hydro, that's, how, that's how they get you like, yeah. to buy like new shit. Like, Hydro, just, it's hy- different. Trust hy- me. Hydroflask doesn't fit in my cup holders. Okay, that's true. Because it's huge, and I have, like, yeah, like the bottom part here fits because it's skinny. Yeah, and then exactly. it I, feel, I feel like this is designed specifically for cup holders. The way they do this, where it's like skinny here and then like thick. Yeah. Or less, more, less skinny, <laughs> more thick. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking interesting. Shout out my boy Stanley. Is this like a so there's a there's a company called Stanley that does like. Uh, it's like a construction company. They they manufacture like construction materials and stuff. Insul- like insulated doors. insulated fucking houses. Is that what they do? I think dude, they do a lot of stuff. They're they're like they're like GE except for like just construction. Like they they do. Uh, like it's, probably I, not, it's probably not the same company. When I was a project manager, like at one of my one of the ho- one of the projects that I managed was like this hospital renovation. We're we're building out this pediatric intensive care unit, and like we had to we were building out PICU rooms. Yeah. And we installed sliding you doors. You mean NICU? No, PICU, Pediatric Intensive Care Unit Rooms. Oh. Yeah. Well, then what's NICU? NICU, NICU is where, like, baby, after babies are born, that's where they take them. It's Neo something intensive care unit. Interesting. I, I just know NICU is, like, babies, like, so what, newborn what's babies. What's, and the, NICU what's is like, the most uh, expensive construction project you've worked on? When I was in college, I interned for this company called Gilbane uh-huh. Building Company, which is, like, a one of the ten largest construction companies in the in America. They do like billions of dollars a year in revenue. Jeez. And uh, the project that I interned at was a seventy-five million dollar brand new vocational high school that they were building outside of oh, Tampa. Oh yeah, you told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. It was huge. Seventy-five million dollars. Seventy-five million dollars. It took them two years, and I came in, kind of a, towards the end of the project during like a phase called the closeout period. Yeah. Uh, where basically you go through, I mean, there were still parts of the, parts of the project that they were like still building out that were yeah. still like very rough, 
but there were uh, most of the buildings were like finalized like the flooring was finished and mm-hmm. you know everything was finished they were just touching up and that's actually the hardest part one of the hardest parts of any construction project is the closeout pro- yeah. process because basically gotta, is that you're doing your due diligence after yeah it's like qa it, exactly you're doing qa okay. you have to go back and you you know you meet with like the the owners and the architects and they basically oh, walk through the site and they walk through every single room they look at every single like Every single Little part of the thing. building, and they they kind of like they make a list of like things they need to fix. If it's like a scuff mark on the wall, it's like a house inspection, or it's a little dent. Yeah, it's like a house inspection, but imagine like on a for huge like, scale for a twenty building high school, you know. So there yeah. was a lot of items. And then you have to like reach out to the subcontractors and tell them like, hey, you need to come back to like fix this. fix this. And a lot of times, so like do, it's do, do they back get, and forth. Do they get billed, or do they have to do that shit for free? The subcontractors, like it, say say they <clears throat> they designed the cabinets wrong or something like that. Like, do they have to come back? Like, do you do you have to pay them again, or do they just fix it for free? Uh, so if it's designed wrong, then, I mean, if it's designed wrong, then it's not the contractor's fault. Okay. If it's if 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 it's installed wrong, then it is the contractor's fault, and they uh, they have to fix it at you know at cost at their own basically at their own cost. So yeah, no, they they don't get like. The you don't get paid like some contractors don't get paid to come back and fix things because it depends though and and this is like it's all like this is all factored into like the whole process like you know you kind of have to figure out like if there's a scuff mark like whose fault is that scuff mark you know um, if it was mm-hmm. one of your guys that scuffed like the walls for example yeah. then it's on it's on you if it's like another subcontractor that's, yeah basically that if it, that's the reason i said scuff mark is like because i see it right there so it was like an example in my head if you guys don't know basically we were like moving around all the furniture in here and i like dented the wall with one of these chairs i'm hoping i think your back covers it so the camera can't see it yeah, but, but yeah it's okay i'm gonna tell Rago about it i feel bad yeah i think uh, i think i think it's just dry wall you could you could yeah, they could put some like up. yeah. They could I mean, put there's other mark. scuff marks everywhere. We it we is. just we just have to make like a perfectly symmetrical scuff mark on this side, so uh-huh. like it bounces out, so they think it's part of like the yeah. the texture. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, if it, if if that scuff mark wasn't your fault, then whose was it? No, I'm saying like if uh-huh. it, if it wasn't your guys's fault, then whoever's fault it was, they have to fix it. So it's a lot of like it becomes kind of like a babysitting match where you're just yeah. chasing down people. But makes sense. I'm kind of glad I, uh, I I stepped away from that and, yeah. and got into tech because honestly, what we're building though is is really interesting and yeah. I, I like it a lot. And going back to like what you said about like you know the the, the tagline that we kind of say like the elevator pitch is like it's an app that tells you when to buy and sell. But we understand that sounds kind of gimmicky. Yeah. Like you know people are like, oh wow, you're gonna tell me when to buy and sell. Like, but what people don't realize is is how you know like yeah. what we like the the models that are in place that predict future price trends yeah. i.e. It's, tell you what to buy so or, or sell. I, I think especially like during pitching and stuff it's so hard for me to explain to somebody like oh it's an app that tells you when to buy and sell like i feel like i it's a very engaging sentence but it mm-hmm. leads to so many questions it does yeah it's, it's a very like, open-ended like, statement yeah, 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 how, how are you doing that like yeah. what's what the fuck is artificial intelligence you right know? It's yeah like, it's like oh god damn it like i just i don't know i think i think artificial intelligence is still fairly new to like, like the economy and stuff, especially like 50, 60 year olds. Oh, um, for sure. And, you know, they don't really understand the, the concept behind it. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like, I feel like you got to kind of dumb it down with like the whole predictive analytics, prescriptive analytics step. And then when you, when you, when you're able to explain those very simply, if you're able to explain data science very simply, then you can get to a point that, okay, um, it's artificial intelligence is actually just that, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, it's just a step above it.
Yeah, I mean, and, and you're really good at, like, basically taking, like, the, the complex and, like, distilling it to something very simple. It yeah. just depends on, like, who you're talking to. Yeah, I know. Oftentimes, I like, the investors that we talk to, like, they're not technical. Like, they don't dude, understand some, it. Sometimes I don't even bother, like, explaining it. Like, yeah. I don't even bother explaining the product. I just I just say, hey, I have a company. It's it's growing pretty well. Mm-hmm. You want to invest? Like, that. that's what you want to tell them. But, yeah. like, my concern, and I know, like, we talk about this all the time, is, like, I'm worried that if you don't, you know, if you don't go into detail about the tech itself and about the models, which is uh, really like the core of yeah, you know exactly. Black Our Edge, company. if you don't go into details, I feel like it's still it, it like it invites a lot of skepticism. Basically, yeah. I think I think, uh, but but also to to support that point, it, like it, it depends on like you said who you're investing to, right? If I'm invest- who you're pitching to, yeah, exactly, exactly. Who I'm, who I'm, sorry, yeah, who yeah. I'm pitching to, yeah. like if, if I'm pitching to somebody that made a shit ton of money in marketing. Right, I'm gonna sell them on our CAC. I'm gonna sell them yeah. on like other things, right? The marketing side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If I'm pitching to a tech guy, I'm gonna explain how complicated our data pipeline is, mm-hmm. and you know, like how we're coming up with a mobile solution that basically consolidates and condenses all this like insane amount of data into something that's on in your hands. Yeah. You know? What is, What is the data pipeline like? What What's the What is like? Explain to me, like, and to, to, to the listeners, like, what our data pipeline is, like, how much data we, we get, how much data we pull in from where, how we yeah. sort of bundle it, store it, move it around, yeah, and so, eventually present it on the front end. So the way we do it is we take about, right now, it's about 12,000 different equities. I think that's about to go up because, oh, so one thing I realized when I was, like, doing, when I was talking to the developers yesterday, um, 12,000 equities is only common stock in ETFs. Yeah. Not ADRs, not REITs, warrants. warrants. Wow. So our number's about to go up, but wow. we're ready for it. So yeah. that's, a, that's a cool thing. So basically, we take about, right now, 12,000 stocks. We stream them every 15 minutes. And basically, the way that our data pipeline works is that we, we're streaming it directly from NASDAQ. Um, and then we run it through our model and then send it to our database. Our database then sends it to the front end. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty simple when, when, when mm-hmm. you, uh, when, when you think about it, but getting 12,000 equities all at once to an experienced data engineer is not a problem. But if you're an unexperienced data <laughs> engineer like myself, it becomes a huge problem. Like you need, you need people. So I had to like poach around a lot of my DevOps friends, a lot of my data engineering friends, like best methods and stuff. And we, we got it done, and now notifications come really on. I don't know if you've noticed, but notifications are coming on time. Mm-hmm. Like, And then we also upgraded our data feed. So, Nice. Yay. Yes, sir. So we used to get 15-minute um, delayed data. Now we're getting live data. Yeah, real time. Um, which, is, which is great. But essentially, like, we're, we're pulling in data for, all, for every single equity listed on the three major exchanges in the U.S., the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, and the CBOE. Yeah. Um, what the fuck is CBO? It's Chicago. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Chicago something options option equities. I always forget the B what it stands for, but I know it's like the Chicago equity options equities. But um, bitches. but yeah. So we what's that? Bitch, bitches. Yeah, Chicago bitches. No, we can't say that right now. Stop for a while. <laughs> anyway, so we got um, Donish's wife is is with us right now, so we have to watch what we say. Sorry, say hey. Yeah, they didn't hear that. <laughs> <clears throat> Definitely not. Anyway, so we, uh, so yeah, I mean, we stream data from all all the equities. So you know, whatever, like you know, if if you if you search it and it comes up in in the you know our search page, then we're you know we're obviously streaming data for it. But 
like you said, you know, it becomes a lot, especially when you're trying to pull it in all at once. Because like yeah. you don't want to pull in one stock at a time. Like yeah. you want to pull it in all at once because yeah. you want to present the data as it comes yeah. in live and, in and, real time. And it's like basically all we're doing is like we spread it through multiple different swim lanes, mm-hmm. and, and that data just just comes in multiple different swim lanes. Like Tesla will go through one swim lane. Yeah. Apple will go through another. You know, et cetera. Wow. Um. So nice. so everything's coming in pretty quickly. There's probably like a like a sixty second delay from when the data comes from nasdaq to like when it actually is presentable on our app mm. but not much happens in one minute which you'll realize but a lot happens in like 15 20 minutes you know yeah um so that's why like getting the speed up to getting the data up to speed and making sure our data pipeline is very rigid you know, it took us a while it took us a lot of trial yeah. and error to get that done but now that we finally got it done i feel like we're we're in a great place right now what's what if it's possible, which I'm, I'm sure it's possible, what needs what needs to be done or what needs to be put in place in order to reduce that 60-second time frame that yeah. you mentioned to, like, one second or half a second? Damn, Near bro. instantaneous. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think... I think just having, bro, like, honestly, the best way to do that is, like, have a have a separate server for each and every equity, but having 12,000 different... Like, servers. how does Robinhood do it? Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Robinhood has some, like, I mean, think about it, right? Robinhood's data doesn't have to go through a model. Right, yeah. Right? Like, Robinhood's data just comes, they're just sending it from... They're th- streaming they're it. They're streaming yeah, it they... directly from NASDAQ, and they've probably built web sockets of their own to, like, like continuously, like, like just feed it, pump in data. But the mm-hmm. thing is, like, even if we do web sockets, right, our our data has to has to go through the model first, right? It can't, yeah. just, it can't just go straight to the front end. And if we do that, and then the model results come in after, after like a little bit delayed, mm-hmm. then I feel like users will just start to be like, "Whoa, now this is just like changing its mind." Yeah. yeah. After the data has already come yeah. in, right? Yeah. I don't think that's good for business. No, it's not. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's something that uh, another thing to like you know keep in mind for you know those listening is that you know we're also running our models through our data. So basically, the data comes in and it gets filtered in through our model. Yeah. And our model is what identifies price trends. So if yeah. I identifies, you know, as we're pulling in live data for like let's say Tesla, TSLA. Yeah. As it's pulling as data as live data comes in, once our model recognizes price patterns, yeah. um then it'll shoot out a buy signal or a sell signal, yeah. which is then presented as like an up arrow or a down arrow yeah. on the on the stock charts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um <clears throat> dude, we hit a thousand users last week. I know, man. Big milestone. Yeah, I know. It Good shit, a, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> How long did it take us? Like we launched in the first week of August. Yeah, almost four months. We've been really lean on marketing. So I mean, here's the thing: we're both. How, uh, much, how much are we spending? Can every I ask month. That? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. I don't mind sharing that information. We're not I, spending. I don't a want lot. them to know we're broke. I mean, I'm just kidding. We're broke. <laughs> I, th- I think that's the assumption for every like early stage startup. We are very broke. <laughs> we're spending. Around two thousand. No, actually, we're spending fifteen hundred a month on ads. We initially set the budget at twenty two hundred. Yeah. Um, we're working with a marketing agency. One of my friends, he runs a marketing agency. He's based in in the UK now. Um, but uh, originally, I told him like our budget is twenty two hundred dollars a month. Yeah. And he runs a, a a bid set strategy on Facebook ads, which is basically like instead of just pumping, instead of like, you know, putting like a hundred dollars. It just it creates a bit like a bidding strategy. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it's a little different. I, I'm not too experienced in it to explain it. Um, so I don't want to get in over my head. But yeah, I mean it's working. We we've been yeah I know it's it's working. I mean our our CPIs our cost per installs are very very low. They're less yeah. than two dollars. But 
uh, essentially, yeah, we've been the last time I met with him, we've been uh, he shared with me some of the some of our our, our data and um, and results, and we've been uh, spending roughly fifteen hundred a month on ads. But I told him yeah. to uh, to to ramp it up to two thousand, yeah. um, and then eventually twenty five hundred. But you know, I don't like relying solely on paid acquisition. Yeah. I think the reason we're doing that is because we're, you know, we're, we're still, we're still sort of like, you know, finding our, our footing basically. Yeah, we're I still think, ch- sort of like, um, also this leads me to another thing. I know I might be getting a little off track here, but we're hiring a product manager right now. Oh, we so are, yeah. if you want to, if you want to apply, uh, you're literally on. interviewing people right I'm now. I'm interviewing people right now. So this is what I was about to say. It's a founding product manager. Yeah, this is what I was about to say is like, um, what I'm mentioning a lot into these interviews is like, I don't want to keep pumping money into these ads, right. right? We need to shoot for product led growth. So that's a huge thing with this product manager role is like, you know, that's going to be their focus is finding like kind of growth hacks within the product mm-hmm. that we could get people to get part of that cycle, right? If they if they buy and sell based on our signals and they exit at a profit, like that's one successful use of Black Hedge. Yeah. You know, I've had many successes, successful uses of Black Hedge, but if we could, if we could get users to just like keep doing that, you know, if they do it once su- successfully, my theory is that they're going to come back and people are going to rely on us for like a couple months on, on, on their, on their successful trades. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's where I want to get to is like just not pumping money into marketing, but mostly pumping money into the product and, and focusing on like just little things. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, for all my, I know I might be getting off on a tangent here, but uh, for all of my people that currently have startups, uh, I would definitely recommend checking out this uh, app called Full Story. It basically allows you to view user sessions, look at drop-off funnels and things like that. So this is a huge thing that's helping us like determine what's a good feature and what's not. So we're able to see like our drop-off and like, like our sign-up flow, right? I don't know if I've ever told you this, but our sign-up flow, like did, the, yeah. the drop-off funnel is like 25%, meaning like the people that end up like from the beginning of the funnel to the end of the funnel, only 25% of those people actually make it to the end. So is, wow. so that, so that, so that, so that leads to the question, Jeez. like, is our signup flow too complicated? Yeah. Too, too laborious. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like do, how do we make it more simple? Right. I want a product manager to figure this shit out. Right? Yeah. It's like, I could, I could sit down you and I could talk about it for days. And like, I know we'll yeah. go back and forth for a really long time about like, Oh, should we only collect, phone number should we only like do this should we like not even make them sign up right but you know there's so many pros and cons that come out of that decision so i mean depending on what we could do i'd like a product manager like somebody that's like very business oriented to kind of figure that stuff out um you know on the contrary like turning on notifications right if you turn on your notifications you're bound to use the app more Mm -hmm. right a lot of people aren't turning on their notifications how do we get people to turn that on how do we yeah how do we basically um you know, direct them or guide them to... to, to exactly, to exactly. Is it like an onboarding flow? Do we do it for them? Like, there's a lot of questions. And I feel like, I feel like, like, working under product managers has definitely led me to that thought process. Mm-hmm. Is like, is like, how easy do we make it on the user? How hard do we make it on the user? Yeah. But... It's, it's fun. I think product management is just, it's high level problem solving. Like, you know, you're... you're yeah. You're you're coming up with with problems basically with questions. You're asking yourself questions and you're trying to find solutions to them. Like how do we get more people to sign up? Yeah. Like that you know that that might seem like a very black and white question. Yeah. But it can but 
there are a lot of data-driven answers to that. And or I think data-driven dude, I think, like results or solutions. I think, I think every like I, I was talking about it with my friend yesterday, um, Abrar, who you know, mm-hmm. uh, when we were in Tampa yesterday. I just think like every decision needs to be data-backed. One hundred percent. Like one hundred percent. I agree so, with you. So basically, we were talking about masjids, right? Mosques, and, yeah. Yeah, mosques. Mosques. <laughs> Fucking. What? White ass. I'm just kidding, dude. We gotta. We're we gotta. Everyone's listening know, to know, us. Know, not just Muslim you, people. I mean, if you're if you're non-Muslim and you don't know what a masjid is, I'm you judging. can't assume. You can't assume. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't assume. Yeah, that's my fault. I'm sorry. We gotta be accommodating. I'm sorry. You're, you're like this close to being canceled, my guy. Okay. Fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm just protecting. I'm looking out for you. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. You're my guy. Uh, don't touch the wires. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, anyways, so we were talking about masjids yesterday, mosques, um, and basically like how these decisions are made because both you and I know that mosques are very, like the boards usually are very, they make, they make really stupid decisions a lot of times, right? Like I'm sure you can agree to that. Like, like Sarah can agree to that. Like there's a lot of corrupt people within, within the mosque and like the hierarchy and the decision makers. And I feel like that goes for all, like uh, most, a lot of religious organizations. Yeah, I I totally agree. I totally agree. So I was like, uh, I was, me and Abrar were just going back and forth about like uh, a specific like issue that's happening in the Muslim community. I want to get into the details of it, but just like, I, I told, I asked Abrar, I was like, is there, like, a study that's done on, like, Muslim youth and, like, how, like, the retainment of them and, like, being able to, like, get them to come no to the chance. mosque more? And he was just like, yeah, there is, there is, there are studies on this. And, and you, like, does that not surprise Oh, like, there's studies, there's studies that exist, but, like, exactly. like it's not something that, so, like, it's so, not research so, that so that y- mosque y- does. Yakin Institute, Kalam Institute, for those of you listening, like, it's, they're basically, like, big Muslim institutions here in America, but they've done studies like this. They're very, like, research-oriented institutions, which oh, makes really? me so happy. Wow. And then I was just like, damn, like, we should send this to masjids. Yeah. And, mosques <laughs> and like <laughs> basically like get, get them to like make their decisions based off this data that they're collecting is right? it free or do they have to pay it's for free, it? it's free bro like of course they want what's in the best interest right, of like, right. like but they don't have to pay for it it's no, like it's no, no. open it's open source it's open source wow and, nice and it and then i was just like why don't they use it it's like dude if you, even if you present it to these guys they're not gonna yeah. listen to it so that's what i'm trying to say here is like every decision no matter if it's in the company outside of a company whatever needs to be data backed mm-hmm. right um especially if it involves money you know yeah. like like money is not cheap yeah it's, i, I it, agree it, and and decisions involving money aren't cheap you know you can't afford to make mistakes mm-hmm. when you're dealing with other people's money yeah um and 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 you yeah just got to be data minded i think i mean humans are repetitive people yeah. and you can you know you can model out human behavior and yeah. you can use base, you can use data and statistics to represent I mean, that, those that's, models that's, and be able to sort of like yeah. visualize and honestly, human behavior. And, and yeah, and that's exactly why data analytics and data science is such an up and coming field. Yeah. And to that note, artificial intelligence as mm-hmm. well. It's because there's so much data. I mean, like I remember when I first started getting when I when I started getting started in data science back in like 2018. Um, IBM conducted a study at that time that said like 90% of the world's data was created in the last two years. I, I read that study. That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. They like, actually said, you, wait, what, what year was this? 2018? 2018. And they said 90% of the data was created in the last two years? Yeah, so that okay. was like 2016 to 2018. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's crazy. You and know? I think that number, that percentage is getting higher and that year, like the timeline is getting shorter too. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It's probably like now it's probably like 95% of the world's data was created in the last. What is like, what is even like, what is a storage capacity for like the data? Like, I mean, to how much like, how can we store, like how much data can we store right now? Okay, like, so to, I, what, are we running at like so, 60% capacity with our current like no, global server I, space? I don't know the answer to that, but um, to put it into perspective, like uh, a Boeing jet, right? Mm-hmm. Like a, those Rolls Royce engines. Each engine produ- produces about two terabytes worth of data every wow. minute. Wow. Every minute. Think about how long a flight is. Yeah. Right? I don't know if it's two terabytes or two That's, petabytes. That seems a lot. Two petabytes. It's petabytes is smaller Petabytes than is more than terabytes. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm pretty wow. sure. I'm pre- like, one of my data analytics mentors told me that. It's either... Okay, so I know, like... I, no, it's I, definitely it's definitely more than terabytes. No, I, I think. think I think the reason why that that number is so big, it's not. I, I think I'm speculating. I don't know shit about airplanes, but I'm just speculating based off of you know yeah. logic and what I think. But I think it's because um, the the individual like data points. Yeah, it's not it's not a high amount of them, a high volume of them. But I think the individual um, size of those like strings. Yeah, is pretty large. Yeah. You know, like, cause think of it, like, what is it? What is an airplane engine like? What is it tracking? It's probably tracking like it's, wind no, speed yeah, or no, like no, it's just taking every, torque, every, all that stuff. It's taking every single little piece of data yeah. into account. I mean, that black box records like all that instrumental information mm-hmm. to like the. I mean, like, think about like when you go into a cockpit. Um, it's like so many different buttons. Each button is like pointed to a data point. Mm-hmm. You know. There's some like yeah. small JSON structure that yeah. like talks about that. True. Those engines are probably collecting all that information, right? Speaking of black boxes, so one of my friends um, visited me yesterday, last night. He's um, he moved back to Saudi Arabia, so he lived in the U.S. for six years, doing yeah. his bachelor's and master's degree in mechanical engineering Damn. or aeronautical engineering. Yeah. Um, at Embry Riddle. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. And he's he's Saudi Arabian, so after he graduated, he you know had to go back to Saudi Arabia. Um, and so he got a job at the, um, it's, it's like the, the investigative bureau, the flight and the investigative bureau for like flights. Oh, interesting. Like the, basically the agency that yeah, like investigates after, like accidents. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. yeah plane and so, crashes. and, um, I don't know how much I can divulge into detail, but I'm whatever. I don't care. Anyway, so I mean, Saudi Arabia, they're not going to hunt me down, but anyway, so uh, they, they will, buddy. Yeah, they probably will. Fuck it. I, I do it. I do it for the gram. So are you, do, have you going to hide yet? No. All right. You might want to watch your words. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my chances. All right, all right. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not like spilling like national secrets. This guy didn't give me national secrets, but basically he's like, he, like his role, he interviewed for this position that he forgot that he applied to. Oh, okay. And they basically, I've, I've done that. Before. They told him that that's, that's how I got my job at EXL. Oh really? Yeah. They told him that you're going to be establishing and developing the materials lab that investigates the, uh, actual like physical components of yeah. the airplanes after they crash. Yeah. And there's only three countries that do this in house. Mm. Every earth, yeah, three countries that do this in house, like yeah, in their, you know, they in their investigative bureau within like the agency. Yeah, the rest of them outsource it. Interesting. America, France, and um, Air France has had a lot what of. What was the other one? America, France, and Malaysia. No. Ethiopia. No, no, it's like a America, France. Germany? Fuck, what was the other one? Germany. I remember it wasn't Germany. I think it was America, uh, France, and and Italy. Maybe. What major airlines comes out of Italy? 
I don't know. I forgot what the third country was, but I know the other, the first two countries were, oh, Canada, Canada, America, the U.S., France, and Canada. Okay. Those are the only three countries that investigate, like, airplane accidents okay. in-house, meaning, okay. like, within the government agency itself instead yeah. of, like, outsourcing it to a third yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Saudi Arabia is going to be the fourth country that does it. But anyway, so his job ba- basically became establishing the material design, the material lab, mm. um, or material science lab. So they take like the black box and they, you know, they collect all that data and they, they bought equipment, like super expensive, expensive equipment, like $5 million worth of equipment that just analyzes all, every component, you know, if there was yeah. like a, a, a tear, like what caused this to, to malfunction or dysfunction and, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really cool. But he was telling me about like black box and like everything that they record, like yeah. all the data that they collect, like the audio data, there's yeah. like four different types of audio data. So he was like telling me all about this. So. Jeez. It was just it was just on my mind. I don't, I don't know why I had to share that. No, that's, we were that's, talking about that's it. super interesting. You know, like I think it was a really interesting I think, conversation I, that I, I think, had with him. I think in another life I would have wanted to be a pilot. Oh, dude, I know you're like you're on that simulator app like three hours a day. <laughs> she she's laughing because she knows. <laughs> Damn. When was I putting a simulator app in front of you? Dude, you've showed me it like so many times. It's cool though. I'm not. I'm like I'm not giving you shit for it. I'm just saying you definitely would be an airplane pilot. Dude, every time we're on, another life. every time we're on Facetime, because you're always playing, we're long distance. Yeah, you knew that, mm-hmm. but they don't know that. Uh, so I'm like, I'm like she always like she knows when my phone goes sideways. So every time my phone <laughs> goes sideways, she's like, oh, this guy oh, opened up the simulator oh, app again. <laughs> this guy's fi- flying to Nairobi right now. <laughs> no, the funniest thing about that, I mean, I, 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 I was think it's paying, cool. I was paying ten dollars a month for no it. No way. Yeah, but now that I don't have a job and you don't pay me, yeah, I, I, I don't. <laughs> you're like, I'm gonna go back to the basic plan. <laughs> Gotta go. Back to the free break. that's crazy how they charge more than we do per month but it's also funny how like you can actually like you can fly like actual flights you know international yeah, flights yeah. and it'll take the actual amount of time that it would normally yeah, take it's the same so like does anybody ever do that like literally like stay on their phones dude, for like so, six so, hours so, okay so so i'm on i'm on flight i'm across on across the atlantic ocean i'm on airplane tiktok now because of like all this shit of right? course the it, algorithms caught the on. algorithms caught on right so basically what i do now is like i watch a lot of tiktoks and people are um anyways uh, what was I saying? It's going to cut to me, like, drinking water. Oh, yeah. Cut to you drinking water. That's fine. The um, camera turned off, guys. Yeah, so. sorry about that. Um, anyways, we were... Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, so so there's an app. Airplane TikTok? The, yeah, Airplane TikTok. There's this app that I really want now. It's called the Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's uh-huh. like It was released in, like, the latest version, I think, is, like, the 2020 version. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more intuitive than the vo- version that I have on my phone. Mm-hmm. I, I play this app called Infinite, Infinite Flight Pro. Um, but, yeah, basically, they have, like, a Microsoft Simulator. And literally what people do is, like, they literally just, like, have, like, a three-monitor setup. Wow. And they just fly planes all day. Is it, like, the Formula One simulators? Yeah, kind of. Because my version bro, of Bro, the... literally, literally, they have, like, the... the, the, the 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 steering wheel oh yeah and like the little the lever thing. yeah yeah and that's like crazy I, I think that's how like some like that's probably how they train pi- yeah that's probably yeah. how they train pilots but but only at home because like you can you can like work with the instruments that they actually have like mm-hmm. literally you can zoom out and like you can click on certain panels in the airplane that's so cool and everything like that it's really cool and I really want to get into that how but, much does that whole setup cost like dude probably five thousand no no probably like less than a thousand I'd say. I mean, bro, if you want a Formula One setup... I mean, if you're buying three monitors, like, three monitors alone costs over a thousand. I mean, thousand. I wouldn't do it with three monitors. I'd probably do it with, like, one. Oh, one, okay, one so you could do it with however many but monitors you want. But some people do, like, three, three oh, monitors. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. I, I don't need that many. But, like, 
I don't know. I'd probably ask Sully how much his formula. He has like the actual like. Student. He does. Yeah, he has a student. I, I've I've actually always been curious because I mean I kind of like Formula One, but I also like I mean I like racing simulation because yeah. some of them are actually really like I've seen yeah. videos of people that like the steering wheel like the way it like the steering wheel torque is is tuned to the uh, same yeah, level yeah, or at yeah. least to some level where it's still like if you crash and it like jerks you can literally break your wrist. Bro, they're oh damn. Yeah. That's crazy. That's kind of dangerous. Like I've seen TikToks where it's like, it's like, look, watch me like barely or, or or almost breaking my wrist after crashing. And it's literally a guy like doing a simulation and like it shows him like running into a wall and like the steering wheel like jerks back. Oh my god! And but he like lets go immediately. Dude, dude, speaking. And of I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm not breaking my wrist over a video know, game. That's he, fucking crazy. Dude, dude, I I saw like dude, video games are becoming so much. More, so more real now yeah bro somebody did like uh they released among us on vr i don't know if you saw that no way bro it's among us is on vr now. i never played among us and but like, i heard of it dude it's so fun i mean I it was so fun during the pandemic i just don't have friends to play with bro so. i was like i was like <laughs> i was playing no 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 it doesn't even matter about friends I mean, yeah it does matter about friends but i was playing with friends that like i hadn't talked to for like five years since high school <laughs> like I was just playing Among Us with them. Imposter. Like anybody else, like I was like, yeah, fuck you, Andrew, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, it's like. I think the like, best thing about video games are the chat rooms. Yeah, definitely. The, like the lobbies. Yeah. It's so fun. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but you know, oh, and then they came out with um proximity mic for Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. So do you know what proximity uh proximity audio is? It sounds familiar. So I, basically, I think like, I've seen a tweet. So about basically, it. if I'm playing Call of Duty, yeah. right, and I'm on, I'm like close to somebody on the map. Um, basically I'll hear them. Oh, I'll hear, hear their like, mic. Oh, I'll hear wow. whatever audio is coming out of their mic. So literally like I saw some clips on Call of Duty on Warzone uh-huh. where like uh like they hear like a team would like hear another team talking and then they'd be like, Yo, yo, guys, shut up, shut up. And then That's hilarious. I, think, I think they'd switch to another audio channel to like talk about like jumping them and then, <laughs> and then these boys would just get jumped. Ambushed. <laughs> they get ambushed, bro. They're like, oh, oh we see them, we see them. That's so funny. Just yo. They know they're here. I think it's funny because like some people are like, all right, all right, I'll let you go. And they're like, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> like, it's basically like like radio in real life. Like yeah. if you're close to somebody's radio, like you can catch like their yeah. their channel or like yeah. their frequency. And it's just like it's just like kind of playing in real life. Dude, video games awesome. are becoming so more real. That's and it's awesome. Like, it's kind of cool but scary at the same time. I'd say like why is it scary? I don't know. It's just like scary it's, probably because it's like become, more addictive. It's bec- yeah, it's becoming more real. I'd say. Uh, I don't know. Like more immersive. Yeah. And it's more like realistic, like bro, playing Among Us, like Among Us in real life, like you being the imposter, you fucking chasing somebody down the hallway, closing the door <laughs> while they're working on tasks, like that's kind of scary, man. That's, like, yeah, like I'd be kind of creeped out, especially if there was like some weird noises. Oh no, no, yeah, but maybe. Anyways, um, yeah, I think I think VR is so cool. I think Dude, I, think I love reality. your headset, man. I want to get mine, one the or whoever's. You guys are all yeah. the same people to me, but I I love like, like <laughs> no, it's like you guys are all one entity basically. No, I didn't mean yeah. it like that. Like you people, it's, it's I'm not, like, related. Yeah, yeah. Like you, like there's no difference to me. I mean, obviously, you know, you are two different people, yeah. but no, no, Sully's I, stuff is like your stuff, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. You saved, I know Sully through you, saved, you basically. You, you saved yourself. I know that was. Like, I, <laughs> he's sweating. I, I started like, sweating. He's yeah. sweating. I was like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, not on the podcast too. <laughs> We'll just edit this out, I guess. No, no, it's fine. I like this. This is great content. <laughs> this gives it a little spice, you know, yeah. a little, a little Anyways, personality. Um, <laughs> dude, I really, I don't know. Like, I think my next startup. You already think about your next startup, dude? Yeah. Focus on this one, motherfucker. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm already, kidding. I'm already, I'm already thinking about my. You're next already startup. scheming. I definitely want to do something in med tech. 
I know you. You're big on med tech. Yeah, I'm not that pa- like. If I'm being honest, dude, I'm not that passionate. Don't don't say finance. that. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, bro? Are you trying to shoot us? <laughs> this guy's like, hey guys, I'm in fintech, but I actually hate it. You know, I'm just doing it for the bag. So your audio is like spiking. It's going in the red. We're probably, okay. we're probably gonna have to tone this down. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, we can tone it down. Anyways, anyways, let's definitely cut this part out. Let's not admit to people that you're not passionate no, about no, no, fintech no, 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 or no. finance. No, no, I'm passionate. Okay, listen. Okay, let's rewind to where you're saying you want to go and your next hire is going to be medtech. No, no, no. I want to talk about this. Can we talk about this? We can talk about it. I don't want people to think like we have no, like the no, wrong no, no, no. intentions no, here. No, I don't have wrong intentions. I'm going to make myself very clear here. Okay. But if we're talking about finance on like a wide sense, right? Mm-hmm. Like like stock market, everything like that, like... I'm not that interested in the stock market. I like making money. I like equality of people making money, mm-hmm. right? I like building things, right, right? Right. But if you ask me straight up, like, am I passionate about, like, the stock market? Because people, like, her friends will come up to me and be like, hey, what stock should I invest? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I have a, co- I have a stock. I was like, tell the fucking app, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> I- I'll tell people that. But I was just like, I honestly just, like, don't know. You know, like, my hedge fund friends, I feel like they're really into it, mm-hmm. right? But um, but I'm not, you know. But what I like doing mm-hmm. is like I like the problem we're solving. Yeah, you know, I'm very passionate about the problem that we're solving, which is like like making retail investors profitable. Because I mean, my whole my whole life, a lot of my like life philosophy is just like equity. Yeah, is like giving people equal opportunity to do something. Whether mm-hmm. I do that through finance, whether I do that through medicine, whether I do that through ed tech. Doesn't matter. Very altruistic. I I just want to focus on equity mm-hmm. and, and and giving people the right access when needed. And right now, retail investors are suffering. That's true, right? Like in our pitch, uh, this is something you guys may not know, but in in the United States, retail investor portfolios are down forty four percent, while mm-hmm. the Russell two thousand index is only down twenty one percent this year. Yeah, this year in twenty twenty two. Why is that? Why is there such a big gap? That is what I'm passionate about solving. I'm not passionate about solving fucking stock market predictions. AI, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I like that. I'm good at it, yeah. right? But that's that's not why I'm doing this. I think, I think honestly, it's... I'm actually glad you said that because... Yeah, fuck you. You yeah. want me to say... So you're like, yo, 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 shut this, shut the fuck up. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I think it, it kind of like reaffirms like the, the mission, which is not, you know, which is not um, to sort of capitalize on a growing market size. Exactly. The mission is is basically kind of changing the way the game is played today. Yeah. yeah. Like nowadays, the business model of Robinhood or Fidelity yeah. or you know Schwab, whatever like apps or platforms you guys use to trade and invest in stocks, is the the business model is is the brokerage model. Yeah. So basically, the way it works is like these retail brokers, these companies, they you know they go to an investment bank, they get a loan, or they they go to an investment bank with like. $10 million and they lever that up 10 times like $100 million yeah. so they get a $90 million loan yeah. and the investment banks give them like a 1.5% interest rate on the loan Yeah. and so what they do is they go they turn around they just basically farm that interest rate mm-hmm. as margin mm-hmm. and so they sell you you know margin uh, which is like that you can like 10x your portfolio like yeah. with margin and they, they give you a 3.5% interest rate or double the interest rate yeah. that they're charging and and so the and the way margin works at a very simple you know high level is 
you know, let's say, you know, you deposit $500. Yeah. If I give you 10 times margin, that means you can trade with $5,000, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm giving you money, like yeah. a loan for yeah. you to trade with. Yeah. And you have to pay me interest on the loan yeah. of three and a half percent. I fucked up doing that because I didn't know what margin a lot was. Of, a lot of people fuck up yeah. and they get margin called because they don't like, because there's no transparency behind uh, the way it works because yeah. that's how they make money because yeah. they give you a lot of money. And if you lose it all, they're still in, they, like they're still taking that money back, yeah. and they're charging you three and a half percent interest so, on it. And so their incentive is not to, is not for you to make money. Their incentive is for you to trade. Yeah. The volume of trades and the amount of trades that you do yeah. is is what is what drives their revenue. And so yeah. they're not like so they're so like retail brokers are that like their their incentives are completely misaligned with yeah. with 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 the retail investors. Yeah. And for us, our business model is not the brokerage business model. We're not building a, a new brokerage service. We're basically, it's like a SaaS solution. We're basically yeah. a SaaS solution. We're providing predictive analytics and predictive AI as a layer on top of the traditional, you know, brokerage uh, brokerage model. Yeah, yeah. Um, Going off of that, I have a personal story around like margin thing, but like I, when I was like- I Did you get like margin 19, called? Yeah, when I was 19, I opened, no way. A, I opened a TD Ameritrade account and I didn't fucking know what buying power meant. Buying power is like where they add into the margin. Right? Oh, same thing happened to me actually. Yeah, and then I I, I trade. I was like trading based on that, and um, yeah, I got fucked over. And then basically, basically, I was closing my account because I was transferring everything to Northwestern Mutual. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, the, I was like, oh, I have a fucking margin call, so I had to go pay it. And then I called TD Ameritrade, and I was like, Yo, can you just sell, sell all my shares? And I was up. So it didn't really matter to me. I was up and I was like, can you just like sell me out of all the positions and then like cover my margin call? Yeah. And that's when I learned buying power is different from cash. So exactly. you want to be trading on the cash value of your portfolio, exactly, not, the, yeah. not the buying power of your portfolio. Dude, same thing happened to me. Like when I first started trading yeah. on TD Ameritrade, I would look at the buying power and like every time I would, I would invest, uh, you know, in a, in, in a certain stock and I would, I would, you know, open a position. I remember like it wouldn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> so I would think like, okay, I just have more money to spend. And yeah. I wasn't like trading constantly every day. So, yeah. you know, every, every couple of days, I, you know, I was spending, you know, a little bit more time doing, you know, fundamental research and all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, and so I would continuously buy and, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, like the stocks that I would I would invest in, they would go down yeah. as it kind of happens all the time. Yeah. And I would lose money. And and what I realized after after a while, when I was looking at my account summary, I I, I saw that I, I did actually make a little bit of money. Like yeah. I, I did I was profitable, but I saw that at the like the, the ending balance was still negative. And I was like, yeah. wait, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I actually got on a call with their customer service and uh -huh. I was like, Can you guys explain it? Can you guys like literally just walk me through yeah this whole account breakdown and like what I've been doing, yeah. you know? Um, and the guy basically explained to me, he's like, yeah, you've been trading on margin. Yeah. Um, and you're, you know, the, the positions that you accrue losses with, like, you know, like the, the, I don't know how to explain it, but basically ever with every loss that you incur, if, if you're selling, if you're selling a position at a loss, you're basically doubling the amount of losses that you have. And so like the profits that you make in another stock is not covering the losses that you make of the other uh. stock. And it was just so complicated. And I was like, I just, I did not know. Cause like, like you said, buying power, like it was so misleading. It, it, th it throws you off. It throws you off. Yeah. And, and that's when I realized that, okay, I, I should only be looking at like the cash at hand line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's what like, I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, I was looking at withdrawable cash. That's, yeah. that's the line that they had in TD Ameritrade. For the average investor, like margin, like I, I don't think anybody should be trading with margin just because it's, it's very misleading and, and it's, they're, they're designed to, it's designed 
to make you fail. Yeah, it's designed to 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 make to make them the retail brokers more money. Yeah, and so you should just be trading with what you have, and that's why, yeah. you know, we're you know our solution is like it sits in between the investor, the individual, yeah. and the brokerage. It's probably haram too. Margin trading on margin. Uh, if you're paying interest on it. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah if, if you're looking at, like, the traditional, you know, Islamic laws and, like, interest yeah. rate and stuff like that, yeah, it is it is probably yeah. taboo. But, um, damn. But, yeah, no, so, like, that's the thing. You know, we, um, not like, you know, now that you, like, when you, when you mentioned equity, um, I, I didn't know that's where you're going. That's yeah, why, that's yeah. why I was like, I was like, oh, what are you trying to say? Yeah. You know, but, like, that's, you know, now that you went there, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And, you know, because... There's a lot of new trading apps yeah. out there that let you buy and sell really quickly, but they're just retail brokers. Or trade or trading on. I've seen a lot of shit on like trading on, uh, like events, event trading. Yeah, like events based trading and all that yeah. stuff. Like I don't know. To me, that none of that's compelling. You know, for me, like I want a solution not, that uses artificial intelligence to accurately predict price trends. Like yeah. I, I just want to look at a stock chart and be able to know when the price is going up or when the price is going down. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what I that's what I want, and that's what you want, and that's the reason why we started Black Edge. Is like because yeah. we wanted this solution for ourselves, and we also knew that there are millions of other people out there just like us, yeah. in the same position yeah. with the same frustrations, and that's why we decided to, you know, I think actually I, I set think, up the company. I, think, I, feel, I feel like I feel like part of that reason is why we're so like behind in like the investment stage of our of our companies because like we don't come from like that stock market investment background. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of favors us negatively. But we come from a background of like really trying to focus on that that piece of equity. I think what it does is it, it kind of I actually I, I think this I, is a good thing for us because yeah. what it does is it, it clears away the investors that don't align with our mission. Exactly. Because exactly. a lot of investors that we pitch to, they're like, okay, so how are you different than the other, you know, brokerage apps out yeah, there? Yeah, how, like how the are trading you, apps. How are you different from Zach's investment portfolio? Yeah, or, or you know, yeah, or like, you know, like Titan or, yeah. or, or, or Acorns or whatever. Like what's stopping them from being you, know? you? Yeah, like and they're very like they're very sort of broker oriented, brokerage yeah. oriented, which like I just mentioned, that business model is is not aligned with consumer interests whatsoever. Yeah. And so those investors I think even if even if we you know even if they did want to invest, I feel like um, they would not be you know they would be toxic investors. Like they would not be a value added because I think I think you just you just inspired me a little bit right there, man. Thank you, my dude. Like that that no, I I think that's so important. We like for for a long time, especially like people that have been asking us like what kind of investors are you looking for. I've always said somebody that has a fintech background, somebody that has a consumer background, either or both mm-hmm. is great. Either or is fine, right? But I think another piece that we've been missing for a while is like somebody that's very aligned with our mission. I, I feel like you knew that. I didn't know that. I think that's the number. I think that's the most important factor. I think so too. Because like if you're going to take up a board seat, might as well like be on a board seat that's like not aligned with like freaking Wall Street. You're more aligned with like yeah, Main Street. Yeah. Main Street and like consumer solutions and like bringing like a solution out there that could really impact a lot of lives. Yeah. You know? And like serving underrepresented you know, communities and, and, yeah. and stuff like that. Dude, like, I've heard some horror stories around, like, family lives and all this, like, like getting into, people getting into crypto and, like, them just, like, running away and uh, I don't want to get into it. But there was like, somebody that actually, there was this guy that used, that was a Robinhood user who committed suicide because they accidentally showed, a, like, negative $700,000 balance on his account. And he saw that freaked out off himself. 
and that was so like I guess scary. that was swept under the rug. But um, that yeah, that those that's are like so those scary, are those man. are yeah, those are those are definitely horror stories. I mean, but that's like the most extreme. But I was thinking more like people just abandoning their families because they they just like yeah. Lost I mean so that that money. sucks too. But that's the thing. Like I don't like we're not a brokerage solution. Like we're a SaaS solution. Yeah, yeah. So you know, investors that get it, that understand the mission, that also like that are driven by it and motivated by it. You know, I think those are the people that we need to align with. Those are yeah. people that we need to bring in our cap there's table. Not, there's not a lot, from though, them. you know. I'm, I think there's a lot. I'm hoping, I think I think there's like there's a lot of you know I'm hoping, Wall Street finance bros, yeah. you know, but we, there's also a lot of mission driven. We could we could investors. We could we could beep this out. Why am I getting called? Anyways, we could beep this out. But I really hope um, points us to those types of people. Yeah. I think he can. I actually, so I actually emailed. So over the weekend, I was in Miami. I went to this event uh, called Founder House. It was hosted by this company called Camp. Yeah. And it was just a bunch of investors and other founders there. It was really cool. I met a lot of really interesting people. And one of the people that I met, he, um, he's a, he he's like a general partner at this VC firm based in there. They have offices in Cincinnati and Miami yeah. called Lightship Capital. But he actually knows. And, wow. uh, and so, you know, he told me that, you know, when I told him about like tech stars and everything and he was like, oh yeah, I know, I know. So, um, yeah. I, I actually emailed, I was like, Hey, by the way, I connected with one of your colleagues. Yeah. Um, and uh, by the way, I think we're just going to bleep all the names out. <laughs> so, yeah. Just yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> and I, and, and, and I was telling him, I was like, I think they're, I think they're great because they are equally as driven in like equally as driven by supporting minority founders and like un, you know sir and and technologies that serve underrepresented communities mm. as your program is yeah. and he was like great call we could definitely facilitate those conversations amazing so so like he responded like, and everything yeah, yeah he oh, responded cool. yeah cool. i th- I, th- I think cool. he liked he liked the you know the the initiative yeah. which i've come to i've come to realize that that's what you know investors like i i i I'm, it gives me a huge like sense of relief that there are people out there like that. There are definitely people out there. Yeah. I, I, I wholeheartedly, like, I haven't given up hope. You know, there's definitely people like that. It's just a matter of just, finding them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, I, I want, like, especially like angels that I've been talking to and like friends and family investors, like, I like putting my intentions out there to them. Yeah. It's like, I, I mean, honestly, like looking at us and like looking at what we've been through in the last two years, trying to like raise a check and like yeah. the, the hurdles that we had to cross to get there. I think um, one of my one of my goals is going to be to definitely start a fund for people like us. Yeah. Right. And it's like it's like start a fund like, you know, because like, dude, there's so many people that I've approached that have the money, but like don't want to invest because they're just like so stuck up in my mm. opinion. Right. And, and I, I appreciate people that are like, that, that, that believe in me, you know? Oh, yeah, I feel like, I feel like being Muslim, being an immigrant, like, and we've come to this conclusion that our parents and and that generation, they're very risk adverse, right? Risk adverse, yeah. Yeah. And I want to make sure like, you know, I want, I want to, I want to be able to help out like first gen entrepreneurs as much as I can. Cause like, they don't, they have very little support, you know? Um, I hate to say this, but like you know, if I was American, if you're if you're white, I don't want to say white, but if I was white, bro, I feel like we would have landed a really fat friends and family check by now. I mean, there there is like, no, I, I agree with you, but there's also there there is like there is data that supports your your argument. My, oh, really? You know, like ninety eight percent of 
venture capital, traditional venture capital funding and, you know, technology funding yeah. goes to white men, white male, white male founders. Wow. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to solve the problem. Yeah. But, you know, there's still a long ways to go. Yeah. And that doesn't, you know, that doesn't remove right. the fact that we've also had to go through, you know, the, 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 the yeah. struggles that we've been going through that we continuously to go, you know, conti- yeah. continue to go through. And we will continue. And we will continue through. to go through. Yeah. But it, it just motivates me. It motivates us to, yeah. you know, once we succeed to like give back and help I just, others. I just, that are in I just can't, I just can't wait to like, for like a little Indian boy, a skinny little Indian, <laughs> skinny boy, little Indian boy to, to, to come up to me when I'm like, 45 and i've already exited this company yeah inshallah i wonder how that f- and and, yeah. and 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 him saying like hey i'm really passionate about this product i'm solving blah 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 like here's the whole thing he pitches to me i'll be like yeah man you literally 50, see 50, yourself in him. yeah yeah man. i'll be like 50k no problem man yeah you want, yeah, you want 100k no problem man yeah. i, I want to be able to do that dude i really want to get to that mm-hmm. and that's that's a very noble mission and yeah i i i'm with you 100 percent. If I, if I get to that level which i really hope i do but i definitely like my intention is to to not be stingy with my money. You want to start a fund with me? I'm down, man. I'm down. We'll, we'll make an agreement right here. Dude, oh, this same number keeps calling. Is it a scam? Should I pick it up on the podcast? Yeah, pick it up. Let's see who it is. Hello? This is John over here at Mavis. Oh, hey. Hi. Okay, so we got the car in there. The tire is unrepairable. <laughs> we got it nailed too close to the sidewall. Oh, it's unrepairable? Oh man. Um, they can't geez. plug it? No, it's on the sidewall. Mm. Uh, Should I have to replace the tire? Yeah. How uh would you guys be able to replace the tire today by any chance? Yeah, I can get a tire on it. Um I have a couple of choices for you that, that kinda of match the tread that you have on there. I don't have a Dunlop. Yeah. But I have a Mavis all season, sixty thousand mile tire, and I have a good year assurance all season. Alright, could you do uh, how much is a good year? The good year? That one's one seventy five for the tire plus install, and then the Mavis All Seasons one fifty five plus install. Oh, I'll do the Mavis one. Okay. All right, appreciate it. Uh, and I can come pick it uh, pick it up in like the next thirty forty five minutes. Yeah, we're here till six, so you want to come on down? Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. Bye. Bye. Damn, dude. What that sucks. It's a, it was a, it's a nail on the sidewall. Anyways, my car like the side of the tire, like the not side. the not the tread, the top. No, the side. I Damn. wonder how that happened. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Like how it go because usually like you you run over it, so it's on like the the tread. Interesting. I was hoping that was an investor. <laughs> I think that's what you're hoping too. You're like oh, no no no. I was like if they call twice, I, I wanted. Yeah to yeah. yeah. I, I didn't realize. I totally forgot my car's not here. But anyways, <laughs> um, yeah. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited for us. Yeah, I I was I was beginning to say I wonder what like what the feeling is like when you like when you're 50 years old and you know a younger version of you comes up to you and you can like you know as they're pitching you realize okay as you're pitching you realize like wow this guy is this Me. person is literally the same person that I was. Uh, like I wonder how, what that feeling is to like see be able to clearly see yourself in somebody else's like eyes. What if, what if there's like a, a future version of us out there right now that's like waiting for that that has a lot of money? Probably. We gotta find that person. Wait wait if oh okay the future version of us oh yeah 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 we're like we're we're living the same like upbringing yeah. and the life that like yeah we have to find those people we, we have to find that person we could probably like we have to think strategically like where would we be in fifty if everything goes well I think right Silicon Valley 
Like where would we be? Where would we be in fifty years? I think you gotta find or a Muslim. Years. I think you gotta find a Muslim guy in Malibu. That's Malibu. Let's go to the Malibu Masjid, bro. Let's just go to LA. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but like, yeah, like realistically, like I feel yeah. like we could, like we could actually, like we could, we could reverse engineer our way to finding the future us. Yeah. To get us to invest. Yeah. Like, where would we be if everything goes well, right? Where do you think you'd be? I think I think I'd be in Texas. Texas. I think I'd be near like Cullum Institute or Yakin Institute. One of the, one of those. I, I I think I'd be like focusing on like really like raising my family and stuff, uh, and like be somewhere in Texas where like my kids have a lot of cool friends. A lot mm-hmm. of, like a lot of my me and my friends, a lot of my other friends, we've all like unanimously agreed that we'd end up in Texas. End up in Texas. Like whether it's Dallas, whether it's Austin, it doesn't matter. Like we just want to be close to one another, <coughs> so like our kids can grow up like near one another. So we can go to we can go to Texas. I feel like I would either. Be, that's why. That's part of the reason I'm very bullish. Yeah, on I know Austin. you're very bullish. But on like, Austin. but like, if and uh, I just I just want a good Muslim community. I want I want a good family like life. I want yeah. and I just want a fucking two acre plot. That's all I want. <laughs> I'm not getting that shit in Miami. I'll be honest with you. That's true. I mean, unless, if you go unless to like I, Southwest ranches, unless we exit, unless we exit, mm-hmm. I'm not getting a two acre lot. Unless we wait, wait. Unless we exit, you're not getting a two acre lot in Miami. No. Yeah, but even if we do exit and we're living in Texas, would you still get a two-acre lot? Yeah. No, I'm saying if we don't exit, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, I think I could still afford a two-acre lot in Austin, Texas, or around Austin, Texas. I mean, yeah, dude, land is so cheap in Texas. Exactly, exactly. So, like, I want to I wanna be able to, to do that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of what it's on. Like, I want, like, a, I want a big yard. I want, like, a dog to run around. Dude, I'm, I'm conflicted because, like, I like having open land, like but, having a backyard where, yeah. like, my kids can play, like, soccer and yeah, stuff yeah. in because like, that's kind of how I grew up. Yeah. But I also, like, I like being on the water too because I also grew up on the water. Yeah, find a fucking lake, boy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, you can, that's okay, true. Okay, so that's one, true. one, you could find a lake, right? Or and a river. I, I know. I know river is kind of yeah, ideal yeah. too. I, rivers. But also the ocean is really nice ideal. too because you can, like, yeah. you can have, like, beach days. Beach yeah. days are fun. The other, the other alternative is, um, like, I know you like the city, right? I just want to be, yeah. I just want to be close to like a city center, like yeah. at least a thirty-minute drive from like a city center. Um, and you know, I think, I think, I think like a city like Austin has that. I don't want to live in the city, but I want to be near a city, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like for me, yeah, that's the same thing. Like, I want to be like in a big city, uh, but also have access to a big, a lot of land yeah. and water too. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be hard finding like getting the trifecta. It's, uh, I'm either going to have to like sacrifice one or two things or yeah. spend like Millions triple the amount of time looking for like the perfect property, Yeah, which I don't mind doing if I get to the level where like, Anyways, I can, you know, I think it's a good place to cut off. I got to go get that fucking car right now. Is the Not now, but like by the time we wrap up and everything. Yeah. Should anyways, we wrap up on like a, on a note? Anyways, no, on a, I think, I think it's a good place to stop. Okay. But thank you guys for tuning in. Appreciate it. Um, I honestly, I forgot this is a podcast. Like, yeah, we end. got so d- we just started talking about like ran- like stuff that we would normally talk about, yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, I think I this like, is I think this is good it's a good direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Uh, good. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, we will see you guys next time. Peace.